In the name of Jesus, amen. At the end of my final follow-up appointment after a second knee surgery a couple of years ago, I was walking out of the office. I looked at the doctor and said, well, doc, I hope I never see you again. <laughs> Catching my humor, he looked back and said, same here, but I'll be here if you need me. Ezekiel. Ezekiel, he's a guy who probably heard, I hope I never see you again quite a bit. And very likely without even a hint of humor. I'm talking about the Ezekiel uh, whose call from God to go preach we heard uh, a bit of in today's Old Testament reading. And it is kind of a downer. I imagine Ezekiel would have much preferred God saying something, Dear brother, I'm sending you to an established middle-class congregation full of kind people on the eastern seaboard in a college town with lots of cultural and entertainment options, good housing and world-class health care. Instead, he got this. Ezekiel, I'm sending you to a nation of rebels. Their fathers rebelled. And they've rebelled, and you can be pretty certain their hard-faced and rock-hearted children will do the same. Don't expect them to listen to much of what you have to say. The next verse says that serving those people will be like sitting on scorpions, (laughs) which I've never done, but which I can't imagine is a pleasant experience. A nation of rebels go to. A nation of rebels, I have to admit that earlier in the week in looking at this text and realizing on which day it would be read in church, I had to chuckle a little bit. Uh, Chuckle at what our brothers and sisters across the pond must think of their former colonists reading about a rebellious nation on the 4th of July of all days. But the chuckle soon turned to somber and sober Realizing that what God was setting Ezekiel up for, well, was to be rather unpopular. Hope I never see you again. Telling him he's going to a rebellious house, he was letting him know how being faithful would not always be received with gratitude. Chuckle turned to sober as I began thinking of God as setting us up. Those who stand somewhat further down the line from Ezekiel, but also with a call to speak the truth telling us what we might expect in our ministry to a rebellious nation. I mean, ours is that, a rebellious nation. And though I did once hear a 4th of July sermon calling on America to repent, to repent for what the, the pastor called an unjust rebellion against a duly established authority in King George III, which we could talk about, It's not that sort of rebellion, I mean. No, ours is a rebellious nation. Do do we even need examples? (laughs) A symptom of one of those rebellions I I came across this past week in reading some things. I came across the phrase, birthing person. A birthing person, X, Y, Z, gets this. A birthing person, what the heck is that? I figured maybe that's a, a fancy word to bring in obstetricians along with midwives and doulas and these these sorts of things. But no, it turns out that was the word for a mother. Uh, That evidently, this was in a government document, 
Evidently, in our nation, it is no longer right and proper to describe a person who gets pregnant and gives birth to a child as a mother. It's now a birthing person. You might be able to guess why. I was reading that, and I kind of put aside the document, and I thought, what sort of nation do we live in that can't even say the word mother with a good conscience? (laughs) Rebelling against language itself starts to make you rather angry, especially maybe on a 4th of July when you think of a nation so blessed, and yet in so many ways such a mess. And that's just one tiny, tiny symptom of one sort of rebellion against language itself. Like I said, you could come up with many more. In fact, I began to do. With enough examples to fill a dozen sermons against a rebellious nation. Which again is what I did or started to do until something happened. I started compiling this little list in my head of all the manner, on the ways in which we could describe our nation as a rebellious nation, how dearly this nation needs a whole army of Ezekiels to point out its rebellions. What a good job, in fact, you and I might do at being Ezekiels to a rebellious nation. started to do that until the Holy Spirit gave me a vision, at least an idea. The vision was of 1980s, weird segue here, 1980s boxing great Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, it probably had something to do with uh, whatever was on sports radio I was listening to, but I'm, I'm going to uh, chalk it up to the Holy Spirit of truth as well. particular vision I got was of Sugar Ray Leonard, Leonard in his famous 1980s a rematch boxing bout with a Roberto Duran, the famous No Mas match. We called that because somewhere I think it was around the eighth round, um, Duran um, just quit and said, No Mas, No Mas. No more, no more. So he quit, not just because he was losing, but because Sugar Ray Leonard was toying with him, dancing around, kind of making fun of him. And that's where the particular image that the Holy Spirit comes from. The the most memorable moment from the boxing match was when Sugar Ray Leonard did this. It's a famous bolo punch. He starts dancing around, swinging his right arm in these big circles. Like, what the heck? It looks like some sort of Popeye thing. What he'd do is he'd swing this around, and when Duran would look at the hand, he'd come across and smack him in the kisser with a hard left. You see, you distract him with this big flamboyant thing over here. You can't not look at it. And as soon as he does, you come across with the the quick left and and, and hit him right in the face. It's what Sugar Ray did to Duran. It's also what the Holy Spirit did to me in dealing with this bit of Ezekiel and through me perhaps to you. The bolo punch came in the form of this, uh, just as I'm getting really excited and angry about this rebellious nation coming up with all the ways they really need to be laid into and, 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 and called to repentance for those rebelliousnesses. Arms swinging. The Holy Spirit pops us in the chops with the other hand. The strong left hand comes in the form of this little whispered question. What makes you think that you're Ezekiel in the story? (laughs) See, get me all riled up, arms swinging with the rebels out there, which is really easy to do, but that's the Holy Spirit set up. 
And then he comes and says, what makes you think that you're the prophet and everyone else out there is the rebellious nation? No joker, you're the rebel. Pop in the nose. I know you always like to be the cowboy to their Indians, the the cops to their robbers, but slow down, Kimasabi. What makes you think that you're the Ezekiel going to the rebellious nation? You're so ready to call this nation to account for its sins, but hey, how about yours? Hey, how about that anger of yours? How about that anger that you so quickly gin up about them? Not exactly the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that anger. I mean, if you want to rank national sins, the inability to speak clearly and truthfully about something as simple as having a baby, yeah, that's on the list. But in terms of corrosiveness to the national soul, that anger, anger which doesn't just pop up now and then, but seems to kind of stay at just a slow simmer amongst almost everyone these days, a self-righteous anger having us put on our Ezekiel costumes, ever quick to assume the mantle of the good guy, the righteous guy, the patriotic guy, while everyone else plays the rebel, drawing up lines between us and them. Well, that pitiless anger in that list of national sins That's got a list. That's got a rank right up there towards the top. The Holy Spirit packs a punch, doesn't he? (laughs) Once you've been knocked off balance like that, when you realize that your own angry, self-righteous response to the sins of the nation or whoever else is as much of the problem or more than the original sins, you begin to see that instead of the mantle of the righteous prophet, the clothes of the rebel fit us much better. And then then you hear those words like those from the beginning of Ezekiel, Behold, I'm sending you, Ezekiel, to a rebellious nation. You hear them a little bit differently. You hear that instead of a a downer of a call to Ezekiel, and maybe to you, I'm going to have to be really tough and go out there and speak to the bad people. You can actually hear it as the greatest of good news because it says God is willing and wants to send a prophet to you because you and I, we really need a prophet. You see, the bad news today is that we, all of us, together, are a rebellious nation for lots of reasons. Because we can't speak truthfully. Because we're ticked off all the time for a thousand other things. But there is a God who so loves rebels like you and me, a rebellious nation like ours, that he will never, ever stop sending his prophets. Like Ezekiel. And a bunch of others sending them over and over, sending them over and over until we own the truth, simmer down, and rest safely in his arms. That's why he sends these prophets. Like he says to Ezekiel, he says, whether they listen or not, that was at the end of our text, and maybe maybe the most beautiful part of it, just go, Ezekiel. Who cares if they listen? Just keep going. Just keep preaching. Just keep, yes, pointing out where they've rebelled, but also pointing out to them that they have a God who loves them through the rebellions. Keep wooing them back to me. Over and over, Jesus, the final and the greatest of the prophets, God in the flesh, the one who all the other prophets in their very persons are prophecies of, he comes to his own town, this was in our gospel lesson, to his own town, they reject him. 
They laugh at him. They chase him out. Who do you think you are? He marvels at their unbelief. Surely he must marvel at our own. And what does he do? He doubles down. Or he twelve-folds down, however you say that. He doubles down and recruits more prophets and sends them out. He ups the ante, keeps going more, just keeps upping the ante until finally he's up on the cross and he's down in the grave and he's up out of the grave again doing what? Sending more and more prophets. Sending more and more forgiveness. Sending more and more grace to rebels like you and me and all the folks we get mad at. More and more I love you and will never stop whether we listen or not. That's the whole history of God with his people. Rebels in different ways, maybe, but rebels all. No us and them, just different flavors of them. The, 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 the them to which he just keeps going over and over and over, whether they listen or not, whether we listen or not. Sending more and more rebels and prophets clothing like me to say, in the name of Jesus, it is all forgiven, it's all answered for, it's all covered, and with him there is no no moss. He'll never stop. He'll never stop. Now that would be a good place to stop the sermon. But I think I have to say one more thing. Now, some of you might be saying, oh, I get it, Pastor. I get it, we're, we're rebels all, and, and we too quickly do the us and the them. We too quickly get, get angry in our responses, and that just adds to the rebelliousness. But aren't we not yet called? Are we not yet called to speak and to call to speak to a rebellious nature and nation and, and call it to repentance where need be? Are we just supposed to stay quiet and enjoy our forgiveness? Well, first I can say staying quiet and enjoying your forgiveness, um, that, that could very much lead to a, a very full and joyful life. Given what a temptation it is, how, how good it feels to be angry, and it's like a, a drug that many of us cannot avoid, a lot of us probably should just sit back and say, I'm going to stay quiet and enjoy my forgiveness. But if you are one of those people who, who feels the need to dip your toe into the prophetic pool, to speak to a rebellious nation, to speak to a rebellious neighbor. Well, then just this last, this last bit from Ezekiel, actually the first bit from the text I skipped, where it says, The Lord said to Ezekiel, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. you know, the reason that, that Ezekiel has to be told to stand on his feet is because he is flat on his face when God speaks to him and sends him. He's flat on his face because he has just come face to face with the perfect holiness of God, which has made him painfully and fully aware of the depth of his own sin and his own rebellion. When God sends him, that is, he sends him with dirt-stained robes as one who is so aware of his own sin, who wears his awareness on his chest, like he sends Paul with a thorn, like he sends you and me when he does send us, as those just punched in the face and reeling with the awareness of our own rebellion. So that when we go to speak of another's rebellion, which we may on occasion be called to do, the first thing we have to do 
is explain where we got our own black eye. To explain that we are the chief of rebels. And only then, only then can you chat a little bit about those rebellions, never angry, but truthfully, about those rebellions, and then spend the rest of your time, because you're a rebel too, talking about this great God who died a rebel's death to make all the rebels his forever friends. And then you can just sit and stay quiet and enjoy your forgiveness. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.